Hello, this is Father Bill W. I'm an Episcopal priest in Austin, Texas, also a recovering alcoholic and addict, uh, celebrating 48 years in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, it's good to be with you again. Uh, I want to encourage you, if you haven't done so, please visit our website. It's called Two-Way Prayer, and it'll teach you about a form of prayer and meditation that they used to do in early AA, and it's something that got lost and I think it's really, really important uh, that we kind of get back to that. And uh, I'm going to make reference to that in uh, some of the episodes that we're doing right now. Uh, there's also uh, workshops that we do on this. Uh, now through June, we're doing them on the second Saturday of each month. So if you have not attended one of those yet, I would really encourage you to do so. Write me at twowayprayer, T-W-O, twowayprayer at gmail.com, and I'll be happy to send you a flyer also send you the handouts that we use uh, for those workshops. So um, uh, please, please come. And uh, if you've already been, encourage some of your friends and other folks in the program to check them out. Uh, I think it can be a, a real transformational change in people's programs. That's the, that's the feedback we're getting anyway. So <clears throat> uh, let's, let's jump into the, the work for, uh, for this episode. And we're we're doing a series now on uh, Ego and Archetype is the book I'm using. It's by Edward Edinger, and you can uh, get a PDF version of it uh, in, the, in the show notes for this uh, episode. So check it out. Actually, be a good thing to have because th- he's got some charts and things that I'm not going to reference and, and some beautiful imagery, pictures that uh, kind of help bring some of this story to uh, – to life. So I'd encourage you to do that. Uh, in the last episode, we, we were looking at uh, kind of what is ego and what is self, uh, kind of key concepts in Jung's uh, psychology. And the ego, we said, was our sense of self, our, our image of who we are, the, the picture uh, of who we are in our conscious mind, you see. Uh, But Jung says there's also um, an unconscious mind, and and while the ego is the center of consciousness, uh, there is another center uh, of the totality, the conscious and the unconscious. And ego, excuse me, uh, Edinger and, and Jung refer to that as the self with a capital S. So, and it's that, it's that image of wholeness and completeness. Um, and we can look at it as the God image. Jung, Jung would say it's not God, but it is the image that we have of God representing wholeness. Uh, came across a lovely uh, description uh, by uh, one of the psychologists uh, he's called it the beyond that is within. You know, sometimes people react negatively to the God thing. Well, the beyond that is within, the wholeness that resides inside of us, each and every one of us. See, and uh, and this this is this is kind of the basics that, that that we have to start with, so that there are these two things: this ego and the self. And the ego, of course, thinks it is I, fully I, you know. Uh, 
and yet, if you look at Scripture, this is kind of interesting. Uh, in Genesis, um, Moses, well, who are you? He says, I am. So ego says, I'm I. God says, no, I'm I. <laughs> I'm just a much bigger I. And I'm an I that resides in you as well. So this sorting out uh, of these two uh, concepts is really key to spiritual growth and development and really human life. Um, and I want to get deeper than, than just, uh, you know, it's, it's a spiritual and isn't that nice. No, this is the work of life is to sort these two out. Um, and that's the work of uh, depth psychology. So kind of core stuff, uh, basic stuff. <clears throat> so last time we, we started looking at, uh, at the confusion, how um, we are born in a state of inflation, Edinger says, meaning we identify fully with the self. There is no separate ego. Uh, I am merged uh, at birth. Uh, I am the center of everything. And um, he calls this a state of inflation, uh, a state of inflation, and, and says that the, this is Jung, that the first half of life needs to be devoted to building up a separate ego, a sense of self outside of that separateness, outside of that, that unity, okay? Because, because if it doesn't, you'll never, you'll never grow. You can, you can just stay the child, uh, but you have to grow. And that means you have to separate. So the, the work of the first half of life is, is separation. It's, it's building up a separate ego. And then Jung says in the second half of life, the work is to reintegrate with that uh, self, that deeper part of us. And, and, and I don't think uh, we can wait as addicts un, until the second half of life. You know, I think if we want to recover, this is where and how it starts. And you might be 18 or 19 or 15, uh, that you've got to get it right. What is the right relationship between my ego and my full self? Got a quote here from uh, Jung that may be helpful. He says, I have treated many hundreds of patients. Among those in the second half of life, that is to say over 35, there has not been one whose problem in the last resort was not, not that of finding a religious outlook on life. It is safe to say that every one of them fell ill because he had lost that thing which the living religions of every age have given their followers, and none of them has really been healed who did not regain his religious outlook. Now, you, you, we might substitute uh, spiritual uh, for religious, uh, and, I, and I think that's okay, but it is that that connection with the God source within. Uh, you know, Nietzsche, Nietzsche said uh, about 100 years ago, God is dead. 
And uh, you know that 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 expression gets misinterpreted, I think, uh, at least in, in trying to understand Nietzsche, uh, because Nietzsche would say, "Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Not to God, but to us. If, in other words, if we don't have the ability to connect with that which is within and beyond, look out. We are going to." put that psychic energy somewhere else. And, and that's, ex of course, exactly what happened. I mean, we, we put it into um, uh, fascism and Nazism and communism and fundamentalism, and we put it into a whole bunch of isms trying to say, uh, you know, make that God. And we can also put it into a whole bunch of addictions because that's also what we do. I mean, we tend to uh, put the psychic energy that should be devoted and, and relational with God onto, onto other things. Uh, I certainly did that uh, with alcohol and with drugs and with food and uh, with work. And uh, I, I, I I define myself by my relationship to those things, and I get locked in, and I, and I lose my ability to access wholeness and life, which is really going to come from that inner source that wants me to be whole. So um, let's let's uh, I'm going to do some reading from uh, this chapter, the second chapter in. Ed and Journey calls this chapter um, uh, the um, well. This part of the of the second chapter he calls it the ego self axis, the link, the link that goes on that happens between myself and uh, and or my ego self and my true self, my full self, my God self. Um, so the ego self axis and the psychic life cycle. What happens during the course of this? Starts off saying, although the ego begins in a state of inflation due to identification with the self, this condition cannot persist. Encounters with reality frustrate inflated expectations and bring about an estrangement, a separation between ego and self. This estrangement is symbolized by such images as a fall, an exile, an unhealing wound, a perpetual torture. And Jung, Jung believes that, um, that, and rightly so, that our uh, religious stories try to identify uh, what is going on inside of us. So the fall uh, you have the inflation in the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve take on godlike qualities, or at least want to, and as a result of that, experience the fall, the separation. You see, obviously, uh, when such images come into play, not only has the ego been chastened, it has been injured. This injury can best be understood as damage to the ego self axis, damage to the communication link between the God image and the ego. 
And this is this is is really the the whole uh, thrust of this book is 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 understanding that damage and then helping us find a solution. I think the exact same thing is true of recovery. I mean, we come in here damaged and broken and fallen. And what are we told? Well, it's a spiritual program. Yeah, I know it looks like, you know, we all want to stop drinking or drugging or whatever it might be, but the solution is going to be spiritual. It's going to be reconnecting to that source of life that we lost hold of, okay? So Edinger says, uh, you know, this, this link is absolutely vital. It's life-giving. Uh, and it's not a matter of just believing in God. That's not the issue. The issue is an experience of God. The issue is how can I, how can I have vitality in this relationship? So Edinger says, damage to the ego self-axis impairs or destroys the connection between the conscious and the unconscious mind, leaving to, leading to alienation of the ego from its origin and foundation. So the goal, both in recovery and in psychotherapy, uh, is to become fully ourselves. Um, and we start off uh, with the, the primary relationship, they call it, which is the, the relationship that a child has with its mother. Uh, and that uh, child is uh, merged with and totally dependent on our mother. That's where we start. You know, we, we start from that. And it's, I always find it interesting when we look at uh, addictions, uh, I think it's kind of regressing back into that mother-child relationship. Um, it's... it's uh, I've worked with a lot of food addicts, M1, you know. I've never met one who isn't kind of drawn to soft, mushy uh, foods. It's ice cream. It's mashed potatoes and gravy. It's it's mother's milk, in other words. Uh, and the alcoholics, we, we get hooked on the bottle. I want, I, I, there I am with my baba, you know. Uh, it's regression. It's going back because life is too painful. The alienation that I'm experiencing out here in the world is too painful because my link uh, to, to, to power and to love and to that source is broken. So I, I revert back uh, to a childish state. In the primary relationship, the mother as the directing protecting and nourishing source represents the unconscious. And in the first phase of, of life and progression, in the first phase, she also represents the self. The dependent child represents the childish ego and consciousness. So mother is, is, is sort of the God and the unconscious. And the child is beginning to emerge out of that relationship, developing an ego, and therefore developing consciousness. 
And this means simply, he goes on, that the self, capital S, is inevitably experienced initially in projection onto the parents. Thus, the early phase of the developing ego-self axis connection may be identical with the relationship between parents and child. In other words, our parents become gods. They become gods to us. Uh, I think I have that relationship with my dog. I mean, she looks up to me and I am God. I, I open a strange box and out comes food, you know, and, <laughs> and she devotes herself uh, in service to me. I mean, it's, 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 um, it's, it's really interesting to, to kind of watch that, that, uh, that relationship. And that's the relationship that every child has with mother, you know, that, that she is the source of life. She's the source of everything. But then we go through a, a, a phase, a, a grow, and we have to begin to separate from her. So we move into the terrible twos. We start saying no. We start, we start pushing away. I can do this. And, and it's very necessary. It's absolutely necessary. And, and now becomes a cycle of um, two things. One is uh, permissiveness, to let the kid do what the kid wants to do. And if you do that too much, you're going to have problems. Or really restrict the kid so he only does what you want him to do, in which case you're going to have problems. <laughs> and so this is, this is the cycle that we go through. Uh, where where we're 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 given permissiveness, uh, we're we're given freedom, we're we're given autonomy, uh, and and, uh, and yet it's and then it's yanked back, and and boy that that is the the process. Give too much in either one direction, look out, you're going to have trouble. Trouble during this phase of experiencing the self in projection projecting having projected my god image onto mother the ego self axis is likely to be most vulnerable to damage by adverse environmental influence at this time what is within and what is without cannot be distinguished by the child <clears throat> therefore inability to experience acceptance or rapport is felt to be identical with loss of acceptance by the self. In other words, the ego self axis has been damaged, causing ego self alienation. The part has become separated from the whole. Now, there's a word that he uses there that is going to be pretty common to a lot of us in, in recovery. And I want to I want to really kind of focus on that because because he does, but but he does it in a different way. So he says, well, what the inability to experience acceptance is felt to be identical with loss of acceptance by the self. The need for acceptance by the self, by the God image is absolutely critical, absolutely critical. 
and and uh, and I think that is also really what happens to us in recovery. So I'm going to read this next little section, and he's going to talk about what happens in psychotherapy. But I want us to focus also on what happens to us in recovery. So so we'll come back and revisit this. He says the self, the God image as the center and totality of the psyche can be considered as the organ of acceptance par excellence. Since it includes the totality, it must be able to accept all elements of psychic life. It is this sense of acceptance of the self that gives the ego its strength and stability. Look at the child who is, who is uh, in the presence of his parents, and he feels fine. Have them withdraw several feet and watch, watch him start to get, uh, get shaky, okay? Uh, when he's threatened by something in the environment, watch him or her run back to, to mommy or daddy. Protect me. Holds on to them, all right? Hugs them. So it's, it's, this, it's this vital sense of connectedness. It is this sense of acceptance of the self that gives the ego its strength and stability. This sense of acceptance is conveyed to the ego via the ego-self axis. This line of communication, this source of, of um, uh, encounter with, all right, the linkage, this conscious contact, all right, all right, the conscious contact that we have with with our source also has to be an unconscious contact, hence the name of this this series, Uh, because there's there's stuff going on underneath the surface as well. Uh, A symptom of damage to this axis is lack of self-acceptance. Woo. A symptom of damage to this channel is lack of self-acceptance. The individual feels he is not worthy to exist or experience or, uh, or, or to be himself. The individual feels he is not worthy to exist or to be himself. God, how, how many of us feel that way when we come into recovery? All right broken, damaged, badly, in need of what? Acceptance. The individual feels he is not worthy to exist or to be himself. Psychotherapy, and I'm going to say recovery, offers such a person an opportunity to experience acceptance. In successful cases, this can amount to the repair of the ego-self axis, which restores contact with the inner source of strength and acceptance, leaving the patient free to live and to grow. Okay. Um, You get loved on uh, in recovery, and we need that. Just like you, and in many cases, you get, you get acceptance from the therapist, all right? So let me, let me continue with this therapist thing, and then we'll sort it out, okay? 
patients, patients with a damaged ego self axis are most impressed in psychotherapy by the discovery that the therapist accepts them. Initially, they cannot believe it. But if the acceptance of the therapist can be recognized as a fact, a powerful transformance, excuse me, transference promptly appears. So what does that mean? That means now we project onto the therapist, mommy and daddy. The therapist becomes the God image to us in effect. And I would say, look at, see if, isn't that what we do with, with uh, our sponsor? Isn't that we, what we do with the program? And, and I think in the beginning, that's absolutely necessary. It's part of the surrender process. It's part of the, okay, you're in charge and I'm not, at least for now. At this point, I'll go on, the central characteristics of the therapist's self, the, the therapist who is in the functioning as the self, becomes prominent. The therapist as a person becomes the center of the patient's life and thoughts. The therapy session becomes the central points of the week. A center of meaning and order has appeared where previously there was chaos and despair. These phenomena indicate that a repair of the ego-self-axis connection is occurring. Meetings with the therapist will be experienced as a rejuvenating contact with life, which conveys a sense of hope and optimism. At first, such effects require frequent contact and wane, they lose their power quickly between sessions. Gradually, however, the inner aspect of the ego-self axis becomes increasingly prominent. So, uh, it's, a, it's a mouthful, I, I know, but what's it saying? That when we come into, and I'm going to say the program, when we come into the program, if we can begin to give ourselves fully to this simple program, stuff is going to start to happen. What's the stuff that's going to start to happen? The healing. The healing of what? Of that broken relationship that, that, that I have with the God image within. So that, so that uh, as, I, as I come to meetings, and I'm, man, I'm going, it's 48 years ago, but I go back to, I would kind of crawl into a meeting and it was like, I've run out of juice. I've run out of electricity. And, and slowly but surely, uh, I would be fed. I would be fed. And I was fed by uh, my sponsor, who was a God image to me, you know? And, and hopefully we get a sponsor who's healthy enough that they know they're going to kind of carry that God image for you for a while until you're ready to take it back yourself. You see? You have, but you have, to, you have to go through the process and grow that self. And I think that's exactly uh, what happens in, in a healthy 12-step recovery. 
that, uh, that, that, that we start off very reliant, very dependent, and then, and then we, are, we, are, we grow. And what do we grow? We grow our ego. So be careful, guys, when, when we say, I want to get rid of this ego. No, you can't. What you wanna, what you wanna have, is a healthy ego, and you wanna become a self. Uh, and if you, and if you miss that happening, we can stay very sick, and we can stay very immature uh, in the program. We can do that in church. We can do that in all sorts of situations. And what depth psychology is about is growing a healthy, uh, a healthy self within us. All right, both within and without. Now that's the first section of uh, of this second chapter, and he does have a. a and I just want to touch on it briefly, but a, a second section where he talks about despair and violence. So let me read that. So what he says here is, is um, in, in the state of alienation, the ego is not only disidentified from the self, capital S, which is desirable, but is also disconnected from it, which is most undesirable. So I want to pause there in this quote. So what he's saying is we have to be in relationship with the self, with the God image, with the unconscious. And we have, to, we have to welcome it, and we have to be rightly related to it. We cannot become it, because if we do that, it's, we, we reinflate. And, and, and reinflations happen. They happen repeatedly, and this is why it is so critical that we watch for them. Step 10, that we watch for the ego to re-inflate. And we got to be very careful about this. Uh, you know, it's one of the things where I think um, sponsors have got to not play God with the people they work with. They've got to introduce them to God. And then they've got to begin kicking them out of the nest so that their reliance can become on God and not on the therapist, not on the counselor, not on the sponsor, not even on the program. You know, uh, there are people who put their faith and trust and everything into, into the fellowship and into the program, and it is the stuff that belongs to God because it's only God that's big enough and healthy enough, hopefully, to, to give you the things that you need to be drawing from it. And that doesn't mean you, you don't use, use those other things to get there, and it may take 5, 10, 15, 20 years that's okay, as long as it's moving in the right direction. So to be, the ego is not only dis, 
identified from the self, which is desirable, I'm not God, but is also disconnected from it, which is most undesirable. The connection between ego and self is vital, vitally important to psychic health. It gives foundation, structure, and security to the ego, and also provides energy, interest, meaning, and purpose. When the connection is broken, the result is emptiness, despair, meaninglessness, and in extreme cases, psychosis or suicide. So um, I'm, I'm not here saying, um, you know, connect to God because it's the right thing to do, uh, uh, nor is Jung. Jung and Edinger are saying, connect to this life force that is within you. We may have to call it by a different name, but, but it is absolutely vital that we connect to it because it is the source of our energy, it is the source of our vitality, it is the source of life. And that is what we are trying to find. So when Jung sent Roland in, in search uh, of God, it wasn't in hopes that he became an Episcopalian or a Baptist or something like that. It was in the hopes, the only hope, that he would find this vital linkage and, um, and, 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 and prayer, which is the, part of the, one of the vehicles for, for connecting, is absolutely uh, essential. So in the early program in, in AA, when they studied why it was being successful, it was because prayer and meditation were stressed as absolutely essential. Uh, why? So that that vital link is, is, is found and is growing. And I believe that that's what two-way prayer goes a long, long way to helping alcoholics and addicts find within themselves. You know, I, 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 it's, it, I go oh, two or three months and then I hear about somebody 20 years sober commits suicide or 25 years sober and goes back to drinking, which is a form of suicide. You know, why, why? Because they didn't find that linkage. They didn't find that vital source of life within themselves. That's what recovery is about to me, you know, and that's the, I'm so grateful for the uh, early sponsors that I had in the program because they knew that and they didn't want to make my dependence be on them. They wanted it to be uh, from the one source that would never let me down. So our next episode uh, in the podcast series is going to be on this religious experience on, on this psychic change, uh, uh, as Edinger presents it, what happens? How, how, how does the energy start to flow through that channel? Okay? Okay. Heavy stuff, I know that, uh, but, I, but I hope you, you, you gained something uh, from it and uh, that you will keep coming back. So God bless and uh, love you. Bye-bye.